0: Welcome to the Danielle McInnes podcast, a podcast for small businesses who are seeking great practical advice about marketing and sales. Danielle thinks like a customer, even as a little kid, she always has shown deep empathy for others. Dan uses this customer insight to help small businesses create practical marketing strategies that work. Using this customer-centric approach and our 20 years' experience in sales and marketing, Dan takes what is in your head, adds her expertise to create a system to assist you make better marketing decisions, attracts a regular stream of ideal customers, and creates a brand that your employees and customers will love. Hope you enjoy this podcast.
1: Okay, well welcome to my podcast for this week. I'm just so excited to have Cameron Madhill from Cinetac who who has agreed to come on my show, my humble show, so I'm just so excited to have you Cameron and today we're going to get Cameron to talk a little bit about what he does in the world of marketing. So welcome Cameron.
2: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, It's just so great to have you on. So um, if you can just give our listeners just a little bit of information about you and what you do and your business, that'd be great.
2: Sure. So um, we're a web design and digital marketing agency uh, based out of Portland, Oregon, in the States. Um, we have uh, customers all over North America. I suppose we even have a few international folks. And uh, our focus is really built around... Um, we do everything in the area, you know, in the digital marketing arena. So that's that's website redesign, search engine optimization, driving traffic to your website, uh, email marketing, and so on. We, we touch on a number of different areas, but but really at our core, a lot of our passion is built around um, what I call human-focused design. So that that's the visitor. It's the uh, making sure that the website is oriented towards. Uh, your customers. Um, often we have a tendency just to, to talk about ourselves and our marketing efforts, um, but fundamentally it's it's whether or not your visitors engage with and interact with, with the site. And a lot of what I personally just find so, so exciting is uh, about the web is actually what you're doing right here, Danielle, of, of uh, educating, uh, th- having your marketing be an educational vehicle. And I think the web is so powerful at that. And I think that's a, a much more effective way of engaging uh, our customers is, you know, we provide them with some education or, or resources of value, and then it makes them much more likely to actually come back and ultimately buy from us. And, and so that's a lot of our focus as a company is uh, on how to do that. And, and again, I just think the web is, is so, so powerful for doing that right now.
1: Oh, look, I just so agree with you. And even last night I was doing a presentation and you touched on a couple of really interesting things. One was about, you know, how customer-centric your website is. And you're going to laugh at this, Cam, but last night I asked people, you know, do you actually look at your website? And when you sit down and look at it, are you actually talking about yourself? You know, because <laughs> it's almost like a reality check that, you know, it, if you are and you're sort of using it like a brochure, it... it you know, I think that's sort of almost generation one of of having a yeah. website. Do you do you sort of agree? I'd love to hear your thoughts about making it more customer centric.
2: Yeah, uh, like could, couldn't agree more. That's kind of my uh, one of my soapboxes. I like to get up onto. Oh, go so for the, it. <laughs> yeah, so so maybe the first thought I'd say, and I, I love this 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 test. I I came across it in a variation somewhere else. I, I can't claim originality, but we've used it a lot ever since then. You can use it with, uh, it could be a sales letter, it could be a brochure, it could be your home page, it could be a services page, but you basically, you you take a a piece of marketing material and you take a red and a green pen and you circle every instance of of I, me, we, our, or your company name or your name in red and then you circle every instance of you, you or your in green. Um, and we, we tell people you want to have 60% of the circles be green and the point being it's it's a test of how much you're talking about what it is uh, that you do and why it's so great and blah 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 versus what it's going to do for someone um, and and it's that it's that notion which I think we, we, we all we work so hard at our businesses and we love them so much and, and and you know of course we're hopefully passionate about what we do that's why we got into it in the first place um, and it's this very you know, it's sometimes sort of cold, painful reality that, that our, our visitors and our prospects, they don't care. Yes. They care they, they care what we can do for them. And so, um, you know, I, I think that that applies to everyone. And I, I can go on and on about all the cool things that can be done with websites and digital marketing. But remembering, you know, just in, in this example, I can use myself. Fundamentally, people buy from for me. hmm because I'm fulfilling an unstated emotional need that they have. And typically what that is, is it's, you know, they want to see their business grow or they want to stop having to deal with, um, you know, never having enough leads or they want to stop having to deal with customer service requests that could efficiently be handled through a website or whatever it is. But that that's why they're buying from us. Um, it's not because we have, you know, version 2.0. Point two of some software that we've just released, um, or whatever it might be. So, anyway, that that would be my my take, and I, I would strongly agree. And I think it comes from the the, the human tendency, and I, I laugh at myself as much as anyone to to do navel gazing.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> but fundamentally, marketing is about understanding our market and what matters to them.
1: Absolutely, and I guess that's why you know I was drawn so much to you and your website and what you do is because, you know, I, re- I think the reason people sort of get me on as a marketing consultant is, and I, and I say this, you know, even since I was a little kid, I, I just think about others. It's just the way I approach the world. I, I sort of think about what's in it for them. And you know what, Cam, I just thought it was the way everyone thinks, but they just don't. And and so that's <laughs> a really, you know, they just don't. A lot of people are egocentrical out there and it's sort of natural, I guess, and, but that's just my nature. And so when I go into a client, I'm, I'm really thinking about, well, but, yeah, but what would your customers think? And actually, hang on, have you asked them? And I think even last night I said, look, you know, maybe you should survey your customers and actually put it in their words because they'll say it a thousand times better than you ever will.
2: Yeah, the, uh, yeah a couple of thoughts on that. I think… I think you know it, it may be that people are egocentric but it, it may also be that um, you know I know you've done a number of interesting things in your careers and um, but a lot of people actually have a profile like me which was I'm a, an entrepreneur started straight out of college um, and so your business has become your life and you're so deeply inside of it there's a great phrase uh, that, that you can't lead the you can't read the label on the, on the, the bottle from inside the bottle <laughs> and that yeah. that's kind of the challenge that we have in trying to market our own businesses. Is, is It's so hard for us to forget that, um, you know, pe- people people don't buy our services because um, of, of all this incredible amount of work that we've invested in figuring out how to do what it is we do if they buy it because of, of course, what they get from us. Um, and, and we also, we spend so much time inside our businesses that we're so incredibly intimately familiar, um, and, and I can say this about almost all of my clients. Um you know, we we know so much stuff about what we do that our clients will never understand, and and of course that's why they're hiring us. Um, but that that same expertise becomes a trap again, you know, because we're inside the bottle. Um, one of the, I guess, another test I really like a lot, and I think uh, I may have talked to you about this before, but it, it's a there, there, it's, it's a reading level tool, and there's a bunch of them out there. I think we we have one on our site at syntax dot com slash read, and it's. It accomplishes a number of things, but the idea is you want to make your text as as readable or to as low of a grade level as possible. And and there's this, there's two things that I love about this. The the first one is when you write to a lower grade level. Sometimes people think that's insulting your audience. Um, it's not. You know, when people are online, they're skimming. They're looking for something specific. And if you've got this really dense erudite academic prose. Um, like that sentence I just said right there, <laughs> they're, they're not going to be able to quickly find whatever it is they're looking for. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: and re- another thing that's kind of the same thing, but it's closely related that I love about doing reading level tests. And actually, by the way, I think Microsoft Word even has this now. I know WordPress has it built in as a plugin, but it's it's telling you, it's it's basically forcing you to remove the jargon from what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, an example is I, I could describe what we do as. Um, high-impact, multi-touch, uh, learning-driven, synergistic, uh, <laughs> connectivity-based marketing, or something awful like that, right? You lost it, me. <laughs> it, yeah, I, mean, I lost myself. But it, you know, the point yeah. being that that's, not, that that's not necessarily inaccurate, but yeah. that is not the language that any of I me. Mean, I think you have you know, a great comment on your part of, what's the language your customers would use? Because they're coming to us because they're not experts. You know, I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. when I come across someone who is an expert, they're generally not a great customer, and that's not bad. It's just that if they're already an expert, what are they paying me for? What are they paying my company for? Exactly. They just need someone. They just need someone to execute on the work. You know, it's like if you're a, mm-hmm. you know, unless they're unless they're crazy busy, then they just need someone to do production work because they've already got the expertise. But so anyway, just you know, re- remembering that because we spend so much time in our industry groups is is key.
1: Yeah, look, that's some great insight. Look, I, I wanted to get to your process of um, how you work with um, your clients because, and particularly maybe around the website um, part of digital that you do because, you know what, I, I, I don't know, I'm referring back to the talk that I did last night and I asked how many people have websites and this was a group of um, small business women um, in Melbourne and, you know, well, most of them did. Look, I think most of them have... what you would term, you know, the first flat-page website. But the mm-hmm. thing that was really interesting to me, and I, I'm finding this when I'm sitting down. I mean, I, you know, I'm not there to build websites. I'm there to build the strategy around the website. But they don't actually really understand the process. They they, they don't understand that they're going to have to come up with the content and the imagery. They sort, of, <laughs> they sort of just forget that bit. And so I'm sort of saying, look, before you go and get all this software and nut it out, let's just think about the process that's actually involved in creating this you know communication channel so i'm really interested in your process on your website do you want to walk us through perhaps what you might do when you're engaging in that sort of process with a customer
2: sure and and, you know real quickly i thought you made a great point that um people are not aware of the the total cost of the project um we had uh um and the reason is that they're typically working with, with web design shops, you know, freelancers or small companies that also don't understand the full cost. And so, the, you know, typically what I've seen is that, you know, there's there's uh, people out there, small business owners, that they think they're buying a website. They think they're buying a complete website solution. Yeah. Then they're working with a web design specialist, freelancer or, or small firm, that thinks they are selling literally a web design, which in their mind is web i.e. code plus design i.e. visuals and of course the 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 tragic irony in that is is the the single most important thing on your website as far as getting people to take action or engage with you um is the content itself um there is nothing you can do that can save a website with atrocious content no matter how amazing the design is or how great the functionality is or whatever um and then, you know, a close second is the photography on the website. Um, I'm a big believer in the importance of creating trust and, and credibility. Um, I hope you don't mind me throwing this in there, but there's there's another resource I love. It's slash trust and it's a, a checklist of 10 guidelines to create trust and credibility online. They're really common sense. They're always ignored. Um, and they they they're they're backed by a massive amount of research from uh, uh, it's the Stanford Persuasive Technology Lab, and they they first did this work like ten years ago, and they've updated it ever since. And it's just it's really really powerful stuff for creating trust and credibility online. Awesome. Um, and and so so two critical pieces there are content and photography. They can be very expensive, whether it's it's labor hours on the part of the client, or they go out and hire a separate copywriter and/or photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have all these small business owners that feel like they got ripped off because what they got was a design and programming, which is mm-hmm. kind of an empty shell. So, yeah. so yeah, couldn't agree more with you know about that. And it's something when I, I when I do talk to folks in in my business, I just let them know, you know, make sure they understand. And I recommend this for anyone when looking at a proposal at any price point price point. It's it's not just um, the final cost. You want to make sure you know both um, what is included and what's not included. And this is sort of a classic mistake in, in any field. Mm. Is everyone focus on they focus on what's included, but they don't ask explicitly what is not included in this proposal. Yeah. And typically what I see is content photography and content loading, which can all be... And actually sometimes quality assurance and project management. But So that's that's my brief digression. That the process we follow is we just break a redesign up into five phases. Uh, discover, define, design, develop, and deploy. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're not the only people to figure out that you can get five words with D's and run them in a row. It's a, it's, it's a process used in you know, design, build, and, and other areas for sure. Um, but basically, we start with, um, I think probably part of the reason I think it resonates with you is it's, it's that notion of, of you know, overuse perhaps, but absolutely true of strategy before tactics. And I mm-hmm. my my observation is that I think just because it's more fun, we, we human beings always tend to jump straight to tactics. It's a lot more fun to think about redesigning a website than thinking about why you're going to redesign your website or what we're trying to accomplish overall uh, in our marketing efforts. So mm-hmm. the Discover work starts with Looking at um, an analytics review, so how your current site is performing, uh, a comparable analysis uh, where we look at competitor websites as well as some comparable websites that might not be direct competitors, what their online marketing strategy is, what their messaging is, what the functionality is, and so on. And then we build out personas, which are one of my favorite things. They're basically idealized representations of your key customer segments. Mm -hmm. And you give them catchy names like Ernie the Entrepreneur um, or Chris, the consultant, and you want to live in them to three or four. And and what they function as is, uh, we actually put pictures in there and everything. And there's, there's a lot of research into a lot of the debate about how to use personas. But what I love about them is now throughout the entire process, it's not an agency or a freelancer talking to a client in this sort of back and forth, which often results in this, uh, kind of zero-sum game where you, either, the, either the marketing consulting is, is right and the client is wrong, or the client is right and the marketing consultant is wrong. Mm. And, and I've seen this happen in endless cases where you have situations where feelings are hurt, and it's kind of ridiculous because what the personas let you do is that we're there um, to deliver value to our prospects so that they will in turn engage with us and hire us uh, in whatever form that may take. And so we have these personas throughout the entire process that anytime there's a question, it could be colors, it could be uh, messaging in the headlines, it could be the offers, it could be the photography. You step back and you say, okay, what does Ernie the Entrepreneur, who's one of our key customer segments, what's useful to him on this page? What is he looking to accomplish? that
1: I just Go ahead. Wanna, I just want to stop you there because do you know what whether I'm doing this or not you know with knowledge or not do you know the funny thing cam is uh, I've got this um, financial broker and what I do is I, I you know I used to do the standard ideal customer template you know so we'd really try and profile this this persona persona that you're talking about and the funny thing is you know what I thought why are we using these people like sort of case studies but it's sort of on the same realm, and actually build that, that that identity online for the different markets that she had. So you know that's actually what we we did by I don't know osmosis or whatever. But you yeah. know what? it's so much more powerful because I can look at that if I'm, for example, relocating and look at Jan and Bill who live in this area and and see that that is actually me. I'm actually, yeah, look, I want to use a broker. I've already been through the bank situation. I know that I'm going to get some more value with a broker. I'm talking about their actual real problems and what they're like. And yeah, so that really resonates with me. And I don't know if you've done research on it, but it just seems to make sense, that approach.
2: Yeah. I mean, the thing I love about personas is they they give us a framework for talking about our customers. And perhaps most importantly, I don't remember why I read this, but I thought it really made sense that um, personas help us create empathy for our customers mm-hmm. and and it's not that we're, you know, it's not that we're bad people or we don't care or don't want to help them, but you know, that's, that's human nature is we, we all have so much stuff going on in our own lives. It's, it's a challenge to step outside of our own world mm-hmm. and empathize with what our customers want. And, and we rapidly get a different perspective when we do that.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, I'll keep going. Do you want me to yeah. go on
2: with the process? I yeah. Didn't want to... Yeah. I
1: think Okay. This...
2: Cool. I don't want to sidetrack too much, but yeah. So then, the you know, after we've done this discover work, um, then what we do is we, we do a definition phase, and that's basically the architecture of the site. So you start out by looking at um, site map, which is basically how you're going to organize the content on the website. Wireframes, which function like blueprints, and these are a pretty big step because you pull, um, you're you're pulling some of the messaging and the layout and the functionality. Uh, apart from the design. And, and what we used to do probably three, four, or five years ago was we would present clients with a, a a finished design, but they're not just looking at design, we realize they're also looking at layout, and they're also looking at functionality, and they're also looking at um, headlines and messaging. Mm. And it, it's too much. And people, And what I realized was people don't know what they're reacting to. And they're potentially uh, reacting negatively to a really good design because the layout or functionality or messaging is wrong, or vice versa. So that's where the wireframe step comes in. We do a, um, a search engine marketing strategy, and that's just how you're going to acquire traffic through search engines. And it's very, very detailed and esoteric, but obviously an important area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we build out a content plan. Um, so now we have all the pages on the website. Um, who's going to write them, um, and then what are the standards, length, and and tone, and so on. So then from there, we transition into design, and that's relatively standard for what most people do, but one of the steps we've added, which is getting more popular these days, is we create these things called mood boards, which are basically before you look at an actual design of the website, you're looking at two options as far as the palette, the typography, some, some general design elements, maybe button shapes or headers uh, sample photography and so on. And that lets people kind of establish, my, one of my project managers use it, the analogy, they're like paint chips. And, and I love that because it kind of lets you have that subjective discussion before you're looking at a finished design. Sure. So we do that and then we move into designs. Uh, develop is, is basically, you know, all the production work when you install a content management system and do the HTML coding, maybe you're integrating with a database. There's, you know, whatever kind of the production work is. And then, uh, the last phase deploy is, uh, is basically a you know, final site review and sign off, quality assurance testing, and launch. And um, it's that, that's you know that that's kind of dull, sort of checklist type stuff. But it is interesting how often I come across people who had a site that launched without that dull checklist, and you know now it doesn't work in browsers or whatever. So
1: yeah, absolutely.
2: So that's it. We talk about a sixth phase, which is improve, which is kind of our ongoing engagement. But that's the that's the start to finish uh, process, and we, we actually put it on our website. In, in a fair bit of detail because we found a lot of people had been burned and they, they just resonated with them. So,
1: And you know what came up? I'm looking at it and I'm thinking most people would start that process in the design phase, skipping yep. the first two <laughs> yep. se- sections. I mean, it's just amazing, isn't it? That That's where you want to go, the bright, shiny, nice, let's get it up there. But that other two you know, phases you talk about, the discovery and define phases, I don't know, they're just so key to making it work.
2: Well, and I think that's a lot of what, you know, I, I think you do with your clients and I think really anyone should be doing, you know, we really added all that stuff because we found, we just assumed people had a strategy or had clarity about their key customer types or whatever. And I guess what we found was that was not the case. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Absolutely. And, you know, we're just talking about websites. I mean, we could apply this sort of process to any digital application or, and in fact, anything that you're going to do in marketing, you know, that that strategic process of actually you know what are we what are we doing here What, what is this tool actually going to do um so i i just wanted to touch on one more thing which was um just in this process was i often find when i go to a website that you know that compelling call to action that okay first of all you want google analytics or something like that on your site so you can see who's coming and profile them but then and, and i talk that I talk about that because it's sort of tutoring in your audience. But then you want to capture and nurture that lead. And we were talking about this last night in terms of, you know, when you used to go to a website and up the top right-hand corner, they'd say, join my newsletter. And I ask people, how many people put your hands up if you're joining the newsletter? And even if the content was actually relevant to the industry they were in, so many people are not doing that anymore because, God, how many emails can you have in your inbox? And so the question I threw out there was, okay, newsletters have become a bit vanilla and actually the content doesn't, you know, it's questionable, a bit like eBooks. is the new thing that's worth putting your email and name in? Now, what is that thing on your site that you need to have so that people get a taste of you and will come back for a bit more? And I just wondered if you've come across any, you know, great ideas for other things to be able to, you know, create that need of being able to capture information from people.
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean, my basic take on this is... Um... You know, the, of course the desire to capture an email address makes a lot of sense and it's a way for you to, to start to build a relationship with someone and, and nurture them over time. Um, especially critical for businesses that have longer sales cycles. Um, I think the, you know, yeah, and there's no question that the that, the that, that Join My Newsletter is just um, is becoming less and less effective. But it, it's it's kind of shocking um, that it ever was effective because if you think about it, yeah, I mean, what's that cheesy phrase that, that people are always listening to Wii FM. Yeah. Um, you know what's in it? What's was it? What's in it for me? Radio. Um, that you know why? Why do I want to join your stinking newsletter? I got too much email already. I got too many people emailing me who I didn't join their newsletter, right? So, <laughs> yeah, right. So you know, I think it basically comes down to, and this this is where I get so passionate about this notion of education-based marketing. Um, but what are you going to give me a value? And, and and this is a big shift that's happening really fast. And. You know, it, it's, it's some sort of educational content that I find to be useful. So particularly in, in a business-to-business context, um, you know, uh, you, you could do, it could be anything, it, it could be, you know, an automated assessment or evaluation. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's something that, that we're, we're almost done with, but we're rolling out the ability for people to do basically an automated assessment of um, their website and their digital marketing effectiveness. And the whole thing is automated, but they, uh, we get their email in exchange for the assessment.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and and it's 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 really good. It gives people a lot of really valuable content. So of course they're interested in giving their email address, you know, and, and other variations on that are uh, useful white papers. Um, you know, and, and it's anything that your market is going to find to be useful. Um, and people people are generally pretty happy to give their email address up in exchange for for that content. You know, anywhere from. One to five percent conversion rates, whereas a a newsletter sign up from what I've seen is going to get something more like a tenth of a percent conversion rate because it 's just not uh, it 's just not that compelling um, yeah. oh, so oh. that's um, that 's kind of my basic uh, approach there is, is figure out what your market would, would find to be valuable and have, have big calls to action. I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, the easy button or whatever you want to call it. I mean, the, the, one of the classic works of, of usability online, you know, user experience is called don't make me think. And mm-hmm. I, I absolutely agree with that. Like you, you just, you can never make it too easy for people, um, <laughs> And, it, and it's really hard. There's again, there's a human tendency to complicate and put a lot of text and put things in small fonts and and figure that we have this little text link that says, you know, do whatever. But you know, if if you got great material, then and actually, you know, you've done a good job. It looks like you keep tweaking your site. But don't don't make it hard for me to figure out what I have to do. I have too much going on in my life already. Um, and if you got something good, sure, I'll give you my email address. But I'm not going to go through a ton of work to do it.
1: Well, that's all right. I mean, you know, off you don't know this sometimes until you're actually looking at your site or actually someone else is looking at your site and saying, I don't actually know what you want me to do. You know,
2: I, right.
1: I, I, I can't work out where you're going with this. You know,
2: I, I can't tell you, we talked to so many prospects. I can't tell you how many of them cannot tell you what they want someone to do on their website. They literally can't. And the, a lot of it comes down to, you know, well, I want them to buy my product or I want them to, you know, turn into a sales lead. And the, the, you know, one of the things, I, the best ways, I think, to look about this, this is a, a concept that I've heard a couple of people use. I don't know who started it, but there's a guy named Chet Holmes who does, you know, big seminars and, and you know, 1,000 people in the audience. And he talks about how uh, he calls it the stadium pitch. And he says he does this all the time. He, he takes a random person in the audience and says, what do you do? Well, I'm an auto mechanic. Okay, he says, okay, how many people need an auto mechanic right now? And invariably, about 30 people raise their hands, or 3% of the thousand. And then he says, "Okay, someone over there, what do you do? Oh, well, I do IT services. You know, okay, how many people need IT services? 30 people raise their hand. And he just repeats this with every industry. You know, you're an attorney. You know, you're a patent attorney. You're this. You're that. And the point is that at any given time, about 3% of the market is actually in the. They're actually looking for your specific services. And to engage the other ninety-seven percent, we need to figure out how to talk about what matters to the market in general. Yeah. Um and, and so, you know, so for example, for me, that's talking about how to grow your business and drive more leads, not websites. Yeah. There's always someone who needs a website. And and for those people, you make sure that, that your website or any other marketing materials you have, you get out of the way. You make it easy for them to contact you. Absolutely. Um, but that that other ninety-seven percent. Um, requires and, and the way you know the way this guy talks about it is that it's not product data, it's market data. And so, so, the more we can think about our market and what they want and what's valuable to them, and I think what what you're so good at, Danielle, is what what matters to them and and how can I help them? And if you lead with that, you have you can engage a much broader set of people out there rather than just the narrow group of people who are looking for your specific service.
1: Absolutely. Look, I know that we both live by the same philosophy, which is, you know what, you can have my content. I'm going to give it away for free. There's a couple of things that I might request an email for, and you know, if I'm going to do some analysis, you know, I need your contact details to feed that back to you, and that, that makes a lot of sense. But you know what? I'm just going to give it all to you because you can't possibly implement it. <laughs> and the other right. thing, you know, is just too much. And the value that that we add is is that expertise that we sort of talked about at the start of you know, what's the strategy behind using all this stuff? And so you move your strategy from being one to close it all behind an email and hold it, you know, really securely to one that's of abundance. You know, you go to my website, you can have anything you want. I'm not going to put it behind any membership, nothing. You just go take it. But, you know, that makes me the go-to person for that education process because the further I can get that customer along that path of actually understanding this business of marketing and, you know, how to attract clients and all that stuff, sort of the better they are ready or closer to for me to be able to actually work with them.
2: Yeah, you know, I had, I don't even really try when someone's so, you know, I had an interesting, uh, I got a call yesterday, someone was referred to us, they're a, like a, a $6 million a year company and they have a terrible website. I mean, it literally was done I think in 1998. But it it they, their budget. I talked to them for about 45 minutes and their budget for the entire project was uh 3 to 4,000. dollars This is a 5 million dollar a year company. Man, man. Um, and the thing that was interesting was they were they were really hooked on this notion of we're going to hire a designer. We're going to hire a designer. And you know what? Maybe that will that will help them along, you know. So I don't with folks like that, I don't try to say, well, gosh darn it, my services are worth more or You're looking at this all wrong. Um, I do, you know, I do connect them with educational materials that I have and that other people have. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's part of that process to me of nurturing a lead. If you, you want and having a bunch of resources on my website is that the best leads I get are people who call me and they say, "I had one of these on Wednesday," and she said, "You know, I'm, I'm just so excited to talk to you." And I was like, oh, great, <laughs> you know, tell me why. And she said, I spent the last hour and a half going through your resources page, and it's just totally changed the way I'm thinking about my project. And and I think to me that that's part of that whole open, you know, approach, you know, an open approach to business where I think 20 years ago things were a lot more proprietary. But, you know, there's I think there's both a generational shift, and then I think the internet has just made it, you, you can't you can't hold on to information in the same way that you could before. You know, the way I look at it is that anyone who's going to use my material and be really successful on their own, um, then they wouldn't be a good client. And and if, if nothing else, if they're using my material, then they're probably going to refer me someone later. Um, so, you know, and that's just sort of, that's just always kind of resonated with me as how I approach business. You know, I, I give all my ter- materials away. I've given materials away, you know, processes, questionnaires to direct competitors. Um, I do, you know, all my finances are open. Um, so, you know, so, you know, with the exception of, of individual salaries, every one in my company knows, you know, every single line item in the income statement. And, and it just kind of goes from there. And I've, I feel like it's, it's that the most valuable thing we can have, um, is, is trust and respect from people. And you get that by helping them and you do that by opening up your information. And I think that's, I just think that old notion of, of, you know, keeping on all your cards close to your chest, I just, i I don't think it's that effective anymore.
1: Well, look, you've just um, handed me so nicely into the last area that I wanted to talk about, and we're obviously drinking from the same Kool Aid, <laughs> um, yeah. because I'm the same. You know, I, I'm totally open with my staff; they're on board. You know, I want them to be the sort of team that um, you know that works and collaborates together, which which is what I want to talk to you about now and your team. I, I don't know, Cam, but I feel now that, you know, your story and your brand and your team, you know, that individual of, it's it's not so much what the tools you have, but, you know, what is it going to be like to work with you? And why am I going to choose you over someone else? And I think that does come back to, you know, like, know and trust, you know, that sort of formula. And so what I wanted to just touch on as we sort of conclude this interview is, you know, a little bit about your team and a little bit about that brand and story and, and how important that is in terms of, you know, building your marketing strategy. So any ideas about that concept?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's a, it's a large topic. So I'll try to be concise. Um, so yeah, I've got, um, you know, I have a lot of thoughts about brand. It wasn't an area I really thought at all about when I started my company, Um, that's why I have a, you know, an unphonetic made up name that kind of confuses people. Um, you know, we, we, I founded the company with my dad, like I mentioned, straight out of college and, uh, we had no idea what we were going to do. We had no money. And so I just looked father and son up in 150 languages and pasted them together until I got a name. Um, (laughs) you know, so it's, it's functional. It makes for a cute story, but no one, you know, people can't pronounce it. People misspell it. You know, it's got all these problems and. And I was always kind of frustrated because I'd hear these marketing consultants talking about brand, 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 and it just never made sense to me because it, what I finally realized is that what most of them were just talking about was a logo. And, and to me, your brand is so much more than your logo. Your brand is your company. You know, I love the definition that your brand is basically the sum total of of someone's experiences with your company. So it's everything from how you answer the phone to how you respond to sales inquiries to what your website looks like to... What your production process is to how you invoice people and and on and on and on and and so then when, when you look at it from that perspective, then what it comes down to is what is what what is the essence of your company? You know, not I mean, I love that notion that 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 you you, know, you used to be able to tell people who you were and that worked, but in this day and age you can't. It, it's what you are. It's that notion that you know customer service is the is is the new marketing in a sense because. Um. People, you know, if you have a company that stinks, they can they can have the coolest looking marketing in the world, but you're going to be able to go online and look at review sites and immediately, you know, figure out the truth. Wow. Um, you know, that that's you just can't keep that stuff closed up anymore. There's going to be, if you know, if you put an ad out that's not truthful, there's going to be buzz all over the internet within minutes. Mm. Um, so, you know, so then it really comes down to, you know, who are you as a company? And, and unless you've thought about that intentionally and you've 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 built around that, um, then you're gonna have kind of a mediocre uh brand and people are gonna have this really sort of inconsistent experience. So you know I'm I'm I put a lot of work into my team. I'm really proud of them and a lot of what we it it's all basically built around this notion that we as a company are driven by uh learning. I mean as we as we stated explicitly uh this is internally not shown on the site or anything, but we say, you know, we're we're driven by Uh, a belief in uh, the power of learning and analysis to create a better world for us and our customers. And, you know, it's kind of, sometimes people hear that and they that's kind of frou-frou, and and it kind of is, and I'm not really a frou-frou guy, so it's kind of funny to see people's reactions when I first told it to them internally. But by explicitly stating what you believe in and, and, and what matters to you, you start to attract employees who, who think and behave in a certain way. Um, you know, you can only systematize and standardize things so much if there's not a common set of values inside of the company. And, and it's also, to me, when you have, when you have a, a sort of a shared core purpose and set of values as a company, you don't need to micromanage people. You don't need, you don't need to systematize everything. I mean, I'm all about systems when appropriate, but uh, when, you, when you have common values, you can just trust people to use their common sense to deal with problems as they come up.
1: Um, yeah, it almost—it so become, almost becomes a decision-making model, doesn't it?
2: You know, so it, it absolutely, it absolutely does, and so I'm just a huge believer in that. Of, you know, our our job is, as entrepreneurs and business people, in a sense, is to clone ourselves, and the way we do that is through, um, you know, it's it's not through a bunch of. Um, 40-item checklist. Trust me, we have plenty of checklists. But, you know, a checklist is for, like, quality assurance to make sure the browser looks the same, or, you know, the website looks the same, in Internet Explorer or Firefox. Mm -hmm. It's not not for telling someone how to make the right decision if a client's unhappy because their expectations were not met in some way or another. And and it, but it, it's through that shared set of values that you can trust your employees to make those decisions. So that, that to me is is what it's all about, and that's what your brand is. And I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a, you know, of course, a huge believer in the importance of um, what your logo looks like, and, and having you know consistent marketing materials and a good name and all of that. But but ultimately, that only works if it's a truthful representation of who you are, rather than um, you know what you what you wish you were.
1: Look, I so agree and, you know, one of the first steps that I start with um, is is that story and that values when I'm sitting down with a client and, you know, it's so funny. I, I almost have to go back to, well, why did you get into business in the first place? And, you know, the people that know themselves really well, you know, the ones that are self-aware and are sort of, you know, I, I'm sort of like this because of this and I accept that, they're the ones that can, to, can sort of come to those core values quickly um, mm-hmm. And they don't make them vanilla. You know, you often see on a website, integrity, trust, da, da. da. But, you know, unless they make them their own, you know, what does trust right. mean for your team? I'll give you a great example. You know, I love FreshBooks. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with FreshBooks, which is yep. a piece yep. of software. Look, I just love them. And, you know, I was so happy it made such a difference to my life in terms of costing, estimating, even my t- um, team using that for their timesheets. You know, it's just changed my world. Now, I rarely do this. I should do it a lot more. But I actually wrote to them and I said, look, this has changed my world. I am just such a happy customer. Do you know what? I got an email back from them saying, you know, that has made us so happy. And in the mail last week, I got a letter for them from their um, Steve who, you know, is a guy that's, I think, I don't the MD, but I'll read it to you. It says, hi, hey Danielle. Thanks so much for the awesome email. I sent it around the office and everyone was so happy that we were able to help you. Do the things you love to do. If there's anything I can ever do for you, please let me know. I'll be there. And it's got a big heart, a little smiley face, yeah. <laughs> and it's got Steve at Fresh Books. Now, man, yeah. talk about eat your own dog food. I, I, I'm just yeah. saying it's more, it comes alive in the actions you do. And I think that's what you were saying, you know, with your team and, and, and sort of getting them to live those values is that next step.
2: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, a big piece of that for us has been, um, and I, I don't really do any specific con- consulting or services around this but I talk to a lot of people and, and I get asked about stuff like this that yeah a, a big piece of that is having um, being willing to to lead and I guess as I mentioned you know I'm not a free frou guy <laughs> yeah <You know, laughs> you know, I'm, I'm even though I live in Portland Oregon which is kind of a, a hippie part of the states um, you know no one would mistake me for that but um you know, I do have deeply held beliefs, and I, I lead with them. You know, and as I tell people, we lead with them in our job posts. Our job posts—this is a variation of what we were talking about with marketing—but our job posts, they don't start with the skills you need to have or the position we're hiring for. It tells you about us as a company and what we value and what we believe in. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then we, and then we say, "Oh, by the way, you got to know how to code on WordPress and you know handle third-party integrations or whatever, whatever the generic skills are." Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about it on our websites. I talk about it in sales engagements. I tell people what I'm passionate about and why I believe that we exist as a company and what my personal passions are. And and I think what that does is it attracts, um, you know, the employees who or the people who come apply for jobs, they're so excited. Mm. Before you've even talked to them, they're like, oh, this place just sounded perfect. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of people out there who probably heard it and they're like, that sounds dorky or that sounds stupid or that sounds miserable. Yeah. That's great. You don't That's, want those people working with you. They don't you. And, you.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: And it's the same thing I look at with prospects. Of you know, you mentioned that you're, you know, you're, you're always sort of feel like you're specializing more, and I feel the same way. Of um, you know, now now I find more and more we find people who are re- they're just so excited to work with us because they believe the same things, and I come across people who don't. You know, they say they say, well, why would I care about why would I care about my visitors? I just want to sell widgets. Yeah. And and I I say, great. You're right. You don't. Yeah. And and we're not. A company for you. And it's not it's not to be flip or, or disrespectful. It's just it's, it's that's really minute. helpful. Yeah, yeah. Fit, they, is it? Yeah. They wouldn't like our process. They wouldn't like our team. You know, and and that's not good for anyone. So you know I, I think it's yeah, it's absolutely getting back to um you know for me honestly and, and that was what I realized. Honestly what caused me to start my company was I just have this you know deep love of learning. It's 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 the common thread throughout. I've done the most random set of things in my life and I finally realized the common thread is I love to learn. And so, of course, I've built a company around learning. I've built a team around learning, and 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 I think you're absolutely right to tell people to get back to why they got into business. And and, and that I just think that you know passion is everything. You know, passion is why people will buy from you. Passion is why people will work for you. Passion is why people will stick with you when things don't. You know, when when you have a hookup or they don't go well. Um, And and we can lose sight of that. You know, when we get too analytical or too systems oriented, which I'm again. I'm a huge advocate of, but but you can't lose sight of that that passion component because that's that's kind of the, the the thing that connects us to other people.
1: Well, you rock. <laughs> all I can say <laughs> is you rock. Yeah. And you know, I'm all about you know the intersection between having those customers that are those you know it's cliche but raving fans, and equally as important to me is to have my employees that love working for me love 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 get out of bed jump up and down to a handstand love it and and you know what if you've got that marriage it's going to work it, it's just going to work so i i thank you so so much for your time you've been so generous i i just want to give people um a how to get in contact with you if if what you've said about what you do resonates for them and, and it is a match um where's the best place to contact you can
2: uh, well, just, uh, you know, on the web at, at uh, synetac, S-Y-N-O-T-A-C dot com. Um, and then people can also, um, you know, there's a phone number on the site that they can call as well, um, Skype or whatever, if, if, if they're in Australia. Um, we're, we're pretty easy to get a hold of, so... Um, the, the website would be the, the best place to start.
1: Oh, look, I thank you so much. And I'll, I'll put in the show notes some of those tips that you said. And, and you mentioned just as we started a, a, perhaps a better solution than what I'm using, Skype. Um, do you want to just talk about that voice apps just for one second? I like to always try and conclude on a technical tip or your tech tip.
2: You got it. All right, so my tech tip would be um, I've, I've been doing, uh, so as I told folks, I'm, you know what I love to do is, is. Um, learning and, and education and teaching, so
1: here we go um, I, I,
2: yeah exactly, so I, I started doing um, a handful of interviews. Um, we started a, a sequence called uh, secrets of website superstars and these are these are entrepreneurs i 've met through my various educational activities who have businesses that have, that have really driven their growth through the web. Um, mm-hmm. And, and they're fascinating interviews because these are people who have done it all themselves. They would never hire uh, a web design agency. They have that expertise in-house, and they've gone so in-depth on, on their website. Um, and so the, you know, they're just full of fascinating tips and ideas, and we're trying to identify, of course, what are the common characteristics of people who have had this kind of success. So we started out using Skype, and it was always just kind of a, a pain in the neck. I, I don't know why. I was just like, the connection wasn't good enough. Um We'd have conflicts with the software that record the call. So I did a bunch of research. I was like, is there an iPhone app that I can use? Uh, we wasted many hours. And finally, I, I figured there's a, there's a free service through Google, which I use, actually. It's called Google Voice. Uh, and it, it's open to anyone. I think you can maybe get it through a Gmail account or whatever. Um, so I already had this thing installed. I wasn't even aware of this. All you do if you have Google Voice installed and, and someone calls you is you literally you press 4 and it starts recording the call. And you're done. It's the most, it was like the most uh, ridiculously easy thing. So if anyone out there is trying to record calls, uh, just check out Google Voice. You can also uh, make free calls through your computer. Uh, voicemails are automatically transcribed, albeit not perfectly. Um, so it's, got a, it's just got a whole bevy of cool features, and uh, I would highly recommend folks check it out.
1: Well, I'm on to that, Ken. <laughs> On, right. on to that that's fantastic and thank you so much again for your time you've just been so generous and we really appreciate it
2: great well my pleasure and um, I guess uh, good morning to everyone out there in Australia
1: thanks so much
2: alright
0: hey thanks for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this podcast for more great marketing tips go to Dan's blog at com. And sign up for her marketing tips or visit her website at au. Catch you next time.